You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Thanks, Gihan. Well, good morning. Thanks so much for the invitation to come and share with you this morning. Um, I'm really grateful for... Uh, that opportunity to share with you some of what God is doing in Australia's prisons today. Uh, Jonathan and I have been mates for a long time, as you uh, saw uh, in that uh, fantastic photo taken at Torquay Beach, probably in the 80s sometime. Um, And it's a special joy uh, to be able to share uh, at the church he pastors in today. as John said, I'm uh, Glenn, I'm the CEO of Prison Fellowship Australia, and it's been an organisation I've been involved with for 17 years. Our vision is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with prisoners and their families. And one of the great joys of my role is to be able to come and speak to church communities around Australia, to men and women of Christian faith about the opportunities that exist to exercise our faith in real ways, serving Jesus locally and serving Jesus practically. One of the great mission fields is right here in our backyard. It's actually a cross-cultural mission field. There's a whole different language that's spoken inside prison, which I'm sure you can talk about to Niven about later. There's a different set of cultural norms. It's quite a different kind of a place. And yet, it's quite close. I believe more than ever that the church in Australia, uh, in fact, the church in Melbourne, perhaps even the church in Caroline Springs, is called to reach into and to be present in this mission field. Brendan entered the local juvenile detention centre on Good Friday to skate with young offenders. He's a sponsored skateboarder, and he's also a prison fellowship volunteer. Brendan asked Danny, one of the young inmates, if he was ready to go skating. I can't, said Danny, and he pulled his hand out of his hoodie pocket to reveal a bandaged hand. What happened? Well, last night I got really angry with my situation, and I started hitting my wall. Brendan responded with, bro, you're never going to win that fight. That wall's concrete. Danny described that blood had spattered everywhere and the intense pain in his hand. The nurse had a look at it and said that I broke the two smallest knuckles and pushed them back into my hand about two centimetres. It broke the bone on the side of my hand as well. She said I'll need major surgery, otherwise it's going to heal broken. Look, Danny, I know that you did this out of anger and it's self-inflicted, but would you mind if I prayed for you? That's not going to do anything, Danny laughed. Brendan continued, unfazed. Well, I've seen incredible things already and I know that God loves you and he would love the opportunity to show you that love. So Danny gave the go-ahead and Brendan sat down with him and there were three other young offenders gathered around And Brendan began to pray. Bro, 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 stop, Danny yelled suddenly. What are you feeling? He said, it's like a a firecracker going off in my hand. 
Some people do feel strange sensations, says Brendan, when God is healing. So maybe God's answering our prayers. The group continued to pray and then Brendan encouraged Danny to test his hand. See, I told you I couldn't, and then he stopped mid-sentence. His fingers had began bending. There was still some pain and the group began to pray again. And now Danny could make a full fist. Bro, I couldn't even wiggle my fingers a second ago. I couldn't feel the knuckles that were two centimetres back, but now they're all in the right spot. Danny was astounded. He pressed on the side of his hand where the last bone had been broken and he yelped in pain again. See, I told you it didn't work. Brendan was untroubled. No, I told you that God loves you and he's going to show you. Let me pray again. And they prayed and then Brendan told Danny to push that on that bone again. Danny's face couldn't contain the shock. He was so amazed, he started swearing and punching things. He unwound the bandages and checked out his restored hand. The prison staff watched on with their jaws on the floor too. You know it's Easter, right? said Brendan. At Easter, Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. Through his death, victory was made perfect. He rose again to resurrect us out of the grave because we were all destined for death and destruction and separation from God. He wants to restore us and give us new life. Some of the other kids hanging around asked Brendan if he could pray for their addictions. Three young people sat by his side as he prayed for their hearts and for their addictions. And he prayed that God would set them free from their burdens and bondage. And a few weeks weeks later, one of them also asked Jesus to be part of his life. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. That start of that passage in Matthew 25 is quite an enormous picture. It's an amazing, glorious, terrifying, overwhelming, magnificent picture. Jesus the King returns. He takes a seat on a throne that is fitting of his perfection and of his glory. And all the angels, I don't know how many angels there are, but all of them are there. All the nations are there. This is quite some event. Jesus, the triumphant King, returning. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, I gave you something to eat, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink, I was a stranger and you invited me in, I needed clothes and you clothed me, I was sick and you looked after me, I was in prison and you came to visit me. And they'll say, Lord, when did we see you? Hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? It's kind of appropriate, isn't it? (laughs) The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
Then he turns to those on his left and he says, depart, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and we did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Jesus sorts every person. All the nations are there. He sorts every person. On his right are the blessed the righteous, the inheritors of God's perfect kingdom, those who he invites close. On his left, the cursed, the accused, the inheritors of eternal life and punishment told to depart from his presence. This is Jesus describing his own return to earth, describing his perfect and final judgment of the world. He's coming back and all the people, all of us, will be subject to that judgment, God's perfect judgment. That's a fantastic, daunting thought brought to you by a visiting preacher this morning. But we know that God is a loving God. He is a compassionate God. He is a merciful God. His love is an all-powerful love. And he loves us so much that he will not allow sin to be present in his kingdom. However, to be a God of justice, he needs to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. Those who are righteous are saved not from uh, just the consequences of sin now, but they'll also be saved from the very presence of sin on that final day. There will be no more sin. Heaven will be absolute perfection. So then the question is, well, what determines the sheep from the goats? How do I know if I'm on the right or the left? Well, it's all determined by whether you vote Liberal or Labour at the next state election. No, it's not. Um, it's about whether you barrack for Collingwood or Carlton. No, although the only righteous team, Geelong, might get you in. Um, we can talk more about the Premiership if you'd like to later. Um, surely there's one who will come and talk to me about that later. Anyway, it's not about whether you're Anglican or Baptist, or Pentecostal, or Presbyterian. None of the above actually matter. Instead, Jesus says very clearly, the question is, did I provide food or water for those who are hungry or thirsty? Did I show hospitality to strangers or provide clothes to those in need? Did I care for people who are sick? Or did I care for those, did I visit those who are in prison? How we treat those in need matters. It's important. And Jesus seems to clearly be saying, it's how we treat him. Now, just to be clear, this is not about us earning our way into heaven. We know that that's uh, secured only through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that our salvation only comes through him, and it's through his grace. However... Our salvation, our faith, should be made obvious through our actions. 
We are called to love God and we are called to love our neighbour. And as in the story of the Good Samaritan, the neighbour doesn't always look like us. Our neighbour doesn't always dress like us. Our neighbour doesn't always act like us. But how we treat those people is really, really important. I came to Prison Fellowship almost 17 years ago and I was an Anglican youth minister um, at that time and I was brought on board to help develop Prison Fellowship's work with the children of prisoners. And I learnt very quickly that these children behaved very differently to the middle-class, comfortable youth ministry kids that I was running Friday Night Youth Group for. And the reason they were quite different had a lot to do with where their parents were. Since then, I've had a variety of roles with Prison Fellowship, but my heart has always been to see these children, their parents in prison, victims, and all those affected by crime know God's love in a real way. So why does Prison Fellowship exist? We exist because our founder, Chuck Colson, started this ministry uh, back in the 70s. Chuck's story reads a little bit like a Hollywood movie script. In fact, his life story was made into a movie in 1978. In 74, Colson was a former top aide to President Richard Nixon in the United States. He voluntarily pled guilty to obstruction of justice on a Watergate-related charge and served seven months as a new Christian in Alabama's Maxwell Prison. In his best-selling book, Born Again, Chuck wrote, I found myself increasingly drawn to the idea that God had put me in prison for a purpose and that I should do something for those that I left behind. So he emerged from prison with a new mission, mobilising the Christian church to minister to prisoners. He founded Prison Fellowship in 1976, which has become the world's largest outreach to prisoners, ex-prisoners and their families. Prison Fellowship has now become a movement of over 100 countries, working with the church to reach prisoners and their families with the message of Jesus, sharing God's love in real and practical ways. I had the joy a couple of weeks ago of worshipping with 100 Kenyan inmates who just graduated from a prison fellowship course in Nairobi West Prison. Um, I haven't been in a service like that uh, before and probably may not be in one like it since uh, or in the future, but it was phenomenal to see the presence of God uh, in a place like that. Chuck said, we will be judged in part by the way we treat those in prison. The fact that a man committed a crime and is paying the price does not mean that he forfeits his God-given dignity. So in Australia, we have about 43,000 prisoners. About seven of those live in Victoria. Those numbers are a bit higher if you consider juvenile offenders as well. Of those 7,000 in Victoria, only about 4,000 are sentenced. The other 3,000 are sitting on remand waiting for their day in court. To our shame, as a country, Indigenous people are imprisoned at 15 times the rate of non-Indigenous people in Australia. About 40% of released prisoners will be back inside prison in two years. 
A child of a prisoner is six times more likely to end up in prison themselves later in life than the child they sit next to in their classroom. There is massive need in our prison system. How does Prison Fellowship respond to this? Well, we're passionate about helping the local church reach their community. We partner with the church across all denominations and in all states and territories in order to fill the mission God has given us in Matthew 25, to visit those in prison and care for those in need. As I said, our vision is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with prisoners, ex-prisoners and their families. And that often includes those who are not always easy to love. Those who have done some terrible things and those uh, who we might have, in fact, very little in common with. One of our ministries is a sports ministry. Uh, We call it SLAM. And I was in with our volunteers uh, playing sports some years ago and we just played this very competitive game of basketball uh, in a prison that's not far from here. And I got chatting with an inmate after the game. Um, Let's call him Ben. And uh, Ben was a bikey. Uh, And as I listened to his story, there was nothing I could connect with. Um, He had been in the drug scene, gangs, crime. Um, I grew up in Diamond Creek with Jono going to Anglican Church. Um, We had very little in common. But what was really interesting is that that game of sport had done something with our relationship. And even though we're on opposing teams, being able to have a chat with him afterwards, and he said, you know what, I used to play as a junior, and I just want to thank you guys for the last hour. I've forgotten I'm in prison. I've had this opportunity just to uh, engage and uh, enjoy. And so we kept chatting, and through that conversation, nothing profound was said, Um, but I'm hopeful that I was able to show some of the compassion and mercy of God and to reveal something of the light of the gospel uh, to him, to someone with whom I had very little in common. Prison Fellowship is a ministry that often ministers to the unlovely, to the broken, to the messed up, to the addicted, to the confused, to the lonely, the hurting, the smelly. A ministry that says, you might feel like the world hates you, but there is a God who loves you still. Time and time again, our volunteers are asked by prisoners, you know, how could God still love me? Doesn't he know what I've done? And our answer is, of course he knows. But you're his child and God loves his kids. As we saw in the passage, yes, there's a judgment day coming when God's perfect justice will be meted out. It's part of his character. But God's character is also that love and compassion and mercy and his desire that all people come to know him. And when they do, he wraps his arms around them and he says, welcome home, I love you. One of the greatest experiences of my time with prison fellowship was standing in the middle of a maximum security prison unit. And I was praying for a man who had just come to the end of every other option he had. He said, I've tried everything else and it hasn't worked. I get out, I try really hard, try and kick the addictions, try and get my relationships sorted. And I go okay for a bit and then I find myself back in here. 
and then I determine to do better next time and I get out and I try really hard and I try and get rid of the addictions and fix the relationships and I do well for a bit and then I find myself back in here. He said, this is my eighth time in prison. And then out of nowhere, he produces a Bible and an Anglican prayer book. Now, I don't even know if you guys have got Anglican prayer books here. Um, just, just the words on the screen from the prayer book. Um, but he'd been given these by a chaplain. And he said, I've been reading these. And I think this Jesus guy might be the answer. And so in one of those moments that you, know, you ha- might have very occasionally where everything else kind of goes blurry and, you, and you're not... Uh, really focused on anything else, just exactly what's happening in front of you. I had the privilege uh, of leading him in a prayer uh, where he was able to find true freedom, um, even in the maximum security prison. So what about Red Door? What about Red Door Church? Firstly, Prison Fellowship, we're asking the church to pray with us for prisoners and their families. We know that there is a spiritual battle going on. I've spoken to many of our volunteers who say, I was aware that when I walked in that door, through the gatehouse, into the prison, that there is a spiritual battle going on. And we see that in the environment, we see that in individual lives. We see the pain and brokenness from their past, from childhoods and dysfunctional families from their addictions and their own poor choices. But we also know that this is God's work and that he can and will achieve more through us as we fully rely on him. So we would love for you to join us in prayer. And there's a weekly email that gets sent out from the Victorian office that just gives one prayer point a day that you can be praying for this ministry. Secondly, we encourage Christians to support this work by partnering financially. We're an extension of the church, ministering the gospel in some of our community's darkest places. We want to maintain our gospel mission and vision, and therefore, we're not government-funded. The support for everything we do comes from individual donors. So if you'd like to help us with this mission, then uh, you will have seen the flyers on on your seat. You could fill one of those out. Thirdly, we would love for you to get involved in this ministry as a volunteer. Over 900 Christian men and women from churches like Red Door around the country take time in their week to visit prisoners, to run summer prison fellowships courses in prison, to write letters to inmates, to mentor the children of offenders, to help in our office, all of those things. Prison fellowship is primarily a volunteer movement. We're a movement of God's people and we'd love for you to be involved if God is putting that calling on your heart. You also have a distinct advantage. There are four prisons within 15 metres of where we are this morning. Sorry, 15 minutes, not metres. That would be daunting. (laughs) Minutes. Um, Just on the Western Bypass, um, you drive past them, I'm sure. Um, There's the women's prison. Um, there's the New Ravenhall Prison, there's the Roman Centre, and there's Port Phillip Prison, all within 15 minutes of here. Many of our volunteers drive from the leafy east over here uh, to visit those prisons. Um, so uh, we're always up for uh, volunteers who are much more local. And as I said before, yes, it's cross-cultural ministry. Um, there's a few things that 
need to learn and there's lots of training we can offer you um, and guidance along the way and experienced volunteers to, uh, to assist. Um, but the need is great. Uh, there's great opportunities here. So if you're interested, again, you can indicate that interest on that flyer. There are hundreds of prisoners and their families that Prison Fellowship isn't able to help because we don't have either the financial capacity or enough volunteers. Our vision is that one day we can reach every prisoner in Australia with God's message of freedom and restoration. To do that, we rely on support and passionate Christians like you. As I finish this morning, please let me encourage you to live out your faith in real and practical ways. Jesus' message to us is clear. We should care for the least of these. Those who need food, water, hospitality or care. So let's care for those around us as if caring for Jesus himself. This might be through prison fellowship or it might be in a hundred other practical ways. But the important thing is that, we, is that we live it out. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that glorious picture of you returning. Of all the angels and all the nations uh, present. Lord, we thank you that you call us to care for those who we might struggle to love, who might be different to us, but those who are your children, those who uh, need to have that Christian love and care, that gospel hope. Lord, help us to live that out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.